is the problem? Like... We don't know until the very end because I pull it out of the thing right then and there and I hand it to you. I'm going, like, here you go. Like... Here you go. Surprise. Merry Christmas. Okay. So, uh, welcome everyone to the Semi-Bookish Podcast because it is now 2 o'clock so we're ready to start. Yay! Happy Halloween. It's Halloween when we're recording it's it. Spoopy it's spoopy time! It won't be when you're listening to it. No, but we're recording on spoopy time, so therefore, you know, we are full blown, ready to go. I'm typing at the same time I say this, so <laughs> my brain is trying to like say words and think. Um, but today we have something a little bit more special. So we are missing Tony, aka the mouth from the south, aka Tony. We're missing Tony. Oh, this is sad. Everyone cry in the audience. Anyways. But today, instead, we have a very special guest. We have Liz, who is our uh, bilingual um, and bilingual library assistant and outreach programming human. Yay! Yay. And Liz is here to help talk to us about the topic today because uh, I decided that Liz would be great to talk about things today. Anyways. <laughs> Hola, amigos. Hello. So the first thing we do, and Liz has already been slightly explained to this because I was explaining it to her earlier, we're going to talk about what we are reading slash playing slash watching slash whatever you want. So, Grant, for an example for this, <laughs> I knew you would choose me. <laughs> I always do. <laughs> Anyways, please tell us what you are playing, reading, watching. Okay, um... That's not in relation to your pick in a couple weeks. Because we're doing your episode soon. Oh, yeah. Two so, months. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Surprise! I don't want to be 28 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. All right. So... I thought you were older than me! Wait, no, no, no. I'm going to be 29. <laughs> I, it doesn't matter. I, I, my, my, I'm like, know, hello? At a certain That's point, how just, old I am. You know, at a certain point, it doesn't matter. Anyways. So... Yes. Please tell me what you're doing. Okay. Um, I am reading The Great Mortality by John Kelly. It is a his. Honestly, I could probably talk about it in the context of the, of uh, the today's episode. episode because it's a nonfiction <laughs> book. But in fact, I think I will. So I'll just I'll just say that it's a it's um, a history of the Black Plague. Like like it, the bubonic plague. The bubonic plague. Does it talk about Povalia? Povalia. Povalia. Povalia, not yet. It's an island in uh, Italy that is considered cursed slash haunted slash however you want to say because it is an island in which uh, they would sequester away slash quarantine the people who were sick with the bubonic plague mm-hmm. and quite literally like half of the island is just made out of human ash wow because they would cremate the humans so like nobody could happen nobody else would get the bubonic plague because they didn't realize you know if they were just you know not getting eaten by the rats slash, you know, practice basic hygiene, they wouldn't get sick, right? No, we're just going to qu- sequester everyone away on an island off the coast and, you know, it's now haunted. Yeah, no, they haven't uh, mentioned the island yet. Um, fun story, my, uh, my brother went on a vacation to the Grand Canyon one time and there was a bunch of signs saying that the squirrels there have the bubonic plague. And it's true. Like, so they say, you know, they say, don't, don't feed the squirrels. Wow. And you'll literally catch the plague, so hooray. That's... Do we even have a cure for the bubonic plague? I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. 
Now I have to look it up. I could be wrong, but I th- I'm pretty sure they, they have the literal... It can be treated with the antibiotics. Okay. Yeah. So you can well, actually be cured by yeah. the bubonic plague, everyone. You wouldn't know that. Yes, for, essentially. Uh, modern medicine. Modern medicine, yes. <laughs> Um, so that's what you're reading? That's what I'm reading, and I would like to plug uh, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Scorsese movie that came out. I just watched that in theaters a few days ago. It is incredible. Watch Scorsese. It. Martin Scorsese? Marty Scorsese. Oh, oh, Marty. You know, you know, you know. <laughs> you know Marty. You know, everybody knows Everybody Marty. knows Marty. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a based on a true story. It's horrifying, <laughs> but... You you mean the you, you mean the director of Kontorov? Of what? <laughs> oh, no. you, you, you Tumblr people! <laughs> Honestly, I would watch that movie, but <laughs> he's actually seen the memes about it. He's aware yeah. of it, and he thinks it's hilarious. Nice. For lit lit. So there's a joke about a film called uh, Gord- Goncharov by Martin Scorsese. And it was a whole entire thing where, like, the 1973 film, the Contra, <laughs> and it has a whole, like, plot and everything that got made up online. And we somehow convinced people that it was... Real? Real. And so everyone thought it was real for the longest time. And then Martin Scorsese finally finds out about it. He's like, this is hilarious. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. So, Liz, welcome to the podcast. What Thank are you, you reading? I'm reading Una Pieza Más de Reyes Martinez, an extra piece by Reyes Martinez. Mm-hmm. So, it's a Spanish book. Um, this writer from Spain wrote this book, and he likes to write thrillers. And basically, like, to the part that I am reading so far, they found the cadaver of a young man in an old abandoned factory in the center of Madrid. And he has a scar on his abdomen. Well, when the police and the investigators arrived to the scene, they said, okay, let's take the body that it's in bad shape that has already been attacked by rats around the area and it's mm-hmm. been raining for many days. So they are not able to get like many details about like the the cadaver, but once they bring him to do an autopsy, mm-hmm. they realize that he already had one done. Oh, is this uh, the one that like you showed me same with the picture? Time, the okay. coroner like it's like telling his assistant, "Okay, um, you're gonna be taking notes, and I'm gonna describe like what." I've been finding on the body. So he starts with, like, 25-year-old man, athletic. He keeps in good shape. You can see how he was fighting for his life. Like, there's, like, black fabric under his nails. You can tell that he smoked, like, good tea, but, like, I can see traces of nicotine. And that's when he's like, wait. (coughs) The incision here is in a white form. That means he already had an autopsy. The phone rings, and she goes to grab the phone and says, Boss, they are calling because they have a cadaver that they just found somewhere else. And it appears that this other body has an autopsy. And he's like, well, 
you're confused. Let me get to the phone. I think that they are telling you about this body that we have here. <laughs> so and she's body? like, no, they said it's another body. <laughs> and when she's trying to describe that, she faints. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes. So apparently they are dealing with like two different bodies that might make it seem they have a serial killer, but they cannot tell yet. So that's what. So I'm this reading. is so this is like so this is like an episode of Criminal Minds. Something this like is that. Some yeah, episode something of like Criminal that, Minds. Like you're like, uh, is it the same body? No, like no, different Ooh, one. Okay. Yes. Anyways, hi everyone. Um, I'm Erin. We all know who I am. I'm Supreme Overlord of all slash. Your MC slash host slash person actually doing the recording of this whole entire thing. Um, <clears throat> I'm reading. <laughs> I, I just finished. So I finished. I have to mention what I finished. I finished My Sister the Serial Killer. Yes. Like last week. All right. <clears throat> Let me just, I just, the storyline is very interesting. And the storyline is basically like, there's this girl named Coride, she works at a hospital. Her sister, however, keeps killing her boyfriend to no note of if it's an accident or if it's not an accident, she's not really sure. However, this last go around, like she's realized, oh, my sister might be a serial killer, crap. I think after the third boyfriend. No, yes, pretty much. And then meanwhile, Coretta has a crush on this doctor at the hospital. And then the doctor sees the sister, Ayula, who's the serial killer, by the way. And he goes, oh, she's hot. Um, Can I get your sister's number? And it leads to this whole entire thing where you're kind of going back and forth in between, like, their past and their present, where they're talking about, like why Ayula and Corede are the way that they are, slash, like, how they grew up. Also, some really crazy stuff about their dad. But that's besides the point. To the present, where Corede is trying to kind of balance the world, like, balance everything that's going on with working at the hospital, trying to deal with Tade, who's the guy she has a crush on, dating her sister, and him just basically, like, going... Hey, would she like this? Would your sister like this? And I think I would just be like the most annoyed if like the doctor wouldn't try to figure it out himself. But you know, whatever, fine. And then the sister just kind of going off and doing things like randomly taking some like businessman on a trip and then coming back. Oh yeah, he died of food poisoning. Hmm. Like meanwhile in the middle of that. But anyways. Well, it's interesting to see like how um, different in other countries, like for instance, like this happened to be placed in Nigeria, mm-hmm. and Coretta was advised when Ajula was born, like, well, you're the oldest sister, so you have to be like a mother figure to your sister. So she feels like there's an obligation to cover for her sister and help get rid of the bodies and clean the crime scenes because she's a nurse and one of her coping mechanisms is after she's been affected with, like, another dad. Yeah, pretty much. She might have OCD, and then she cleans everything to yeah, the point that it, she doesn't leave any evidence behind. It's kind of a weird, weird book, but it's oh, it sounds good. But it's good. It's not... It, it, uh, eh. <laughs> anyway, so right now I'm reading a book called A Soul to Keep. It's some random romance. Um, it's about a girl named Rhea who is, like, known as, like, the harbinger of 
bad omens because demons ate her family. And so she's shunned by everyone, and the only way she's basically going to get out of this village is either she gets thrown in the prison cells for being a bad omen, or this demon that comes to the village, you have to offer up a sacrifice for him, a bride basically for him to take. So you get protected for the next few years, and so her options are either being offered up as the sacrifice, or get thrown in a prison cell. You can guess which one she picked, and so prison. now <laughs> go with prison. there's this uh, demon named Orpheus who is like, well, I guess I'll just take this human, and so because he just wants companionship, and so he's pretty much like taking her away, and so like there's this whole entire she doesn't really want to be there. She's thinking of this as a way out, and she's going to randomly run away at some point, and that's like kind of like her idea. Is that actually going to happen? I have absolutely no idea because I'm only on page forty, and there's five hundred and thirty seven pages so maybe meanwhile i'm also playing a game called old world which is like a grand strategy game where you're playing as like egypt carthage assyria babylon uh rome greece there's so many other ones but those are the primary suspects that i usually see in my game for absolutely no reason and right now i'm currently trying to play as rome and the amount of times I've gotten assassinated in this game <laughs> is astronomical. I mean, it is wrong. So. You don't understand. I was playing as Carthage for the past, like, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened to my character ever. Granted, I also hated it, and I was playing the storyline. I just start, started playing as characters that I made by myself. And I made this guy so angry that he decided to tell me the Lannisters send their regards as he attacked me. And then my son is now, like, the heir, and he was eight. I assume that was a Game of Thrones reference. Yes. Okay, all right. <laughs> Except it was, like, Nobia sends his regards, and I'm, like, sitting here going, you did not just Game of Thrones reference me. Get out of here. Like, I don't like that. Why did you do that? And then I had to start over, because, like, I really was enjoying my character, and I want them to die a normal long death or at that least... makes sense. <laughs> or at least I wanted to see if my character... Because my character, I... So, you know, Rome was found by Remus and Romulus or something, or, like, that's, like, the story, how it goes, is mm-hmm. that's who found it. Well, um, my character was married to Remus of Rome, and I was like, hello, this is hilariously awesome, and he fell in love with my character before we got married, by the way, which I was very surprised by, because he decided to do this all by himself in a random, like, event, and I was like, eh, okay, fine, whatever. Something's going to happen out of it. And so I was waiting to see if they would have more kids, but they only had the one and then she died. Oh, no. So, you know, that happened, I guess. <laughs> what a great story. So I, uh, <laughs> To be honest, it's funky, it's weird, and then I'm also playing a game called, I think it's Age of Wonder. And Age of Wonder is kind of like a similar grand strategy game, except it's more D&D styled. So you have your el- you have dwe- elves, halflings, orcs, dwarves, humans... And you can create lizard people, and you can create, like, your own, like, colony. And basically you have to have the most, like, treaties slash, like, best prospering country or kingdom after a certain amount of turns. Turns, not terms. I'm playing as semesters in the other game, so I'm like, I finished the term. No, I didn't. But anyways, speaking of uh, fantasy slash, wait... Slash things that might end up in a nonfiction book. We're going to talk about nonfiction today. <laughs> so we're, we're basically talking about like our favorite topics that we like to read. And then also the value of information. 
and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so if anybody, so like, what, what are nonfiction books meant to really like teach us? Well, I think self-help. Mm-hmm. And it comes from someone that has read the DSM 5 and 4 manual just for fun. <laughs> and did some testing on myself, like about my mental health and diagnosed myself and things like that. Mm-hmm. Just for fun. What, what, what would you guys think constitutes as a good nonfiction book? Just going to throw that out there. I mean, it's such a wide... I mean, I know nonfiction itself is a wide genre, but if, like, you're reading nonfiction, what constitutes to you as a good nonfiction book? I guess it balances um, being informative while telling a compelling story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, I guess that'd be my main criteria. Do you have anything other specific to you? To me? Yeah. I mean... Because, I mean, generally, I mean, like, that's a good thing but like do you have anything specific yeah. to you as to what makes you think that it's a good nonfiction book uh ooh, yeah, uh um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm throwing out the really harsh questions no no, no I uh Oops, I mean my bad. I mean I guess if it's a subject that interests me personally mm-hmm. um you know which would which could be many things what subjects um, interest you what subject interests me mm-hmm um, I like music. I mm-hmm. like uh, catastrophes. Hence the book I'm Hence reading right now. Hence the book you're reading right now. <laughs> um, I like history of the arts. I like philosophy. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like a. You like a big wide. Yeah, as long as long you know if if it matches those if it hits those three boxes, I, I I'm interested in the material. Mm-hmm. It tells a good story, and I actually learned something from it. I'd say it succeeded as a nonfiction book. Liz. What do you think makes a good nonfiction book? Well, I'm thinking about one by Tenoch Huerta, mm-hmm. Orgullo Prieto, where he talks about discrimination. Like, how in Mexico we tend to say, like, we do not discriminate, and we're not racist, but we're classist, meaning that you base everything, like, on the socioeconomic status that somebody might belong to. Mm-hmm. Like, when I was, like, reading the book, I realized myself that I was making some of the mistakes of being racist. Not because I wanted to, but it's just the way that you have been raised in many different aspects. For instance, I will throw one. When I went to Chicago, I went to Sarah's store because I love Sarah, and I purchased some items. And it says, like, in the book, like, he's describing, sometimes you may want to try to pass by looking sort of white. So you go to some stores where some white people will be like buying silly brands mm-hmm. to try to blend. Not intentionally, but... You're just trying to like like blend and unintentionally assim- assimilate. Assimilate some ideas mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. ways of living. What's your favorite topics to read about? Everything with psychology. Mm-hmm. Self-help, meditation, how to improve yourself. Like I was just describing like... Atomic Habits by James Clear. I thought it was like an amazing book. Um, a meditation book that unfortunately has not been translated, but I have talked to people here at the library about it and they are waiting for the translation. Oh, so there's like a... The Divine Meditation Book. Okay. Yes, by Lexi, yes. Mm. Do you meditate yourself? I do. I mean, I try because like... <laughs> 
after my yoga session, I try to meditate a little bit, like in the mornings, but my brain is always going in many different directions, and it's hard for me to shut down my brain and not think about something. Is your brain always like that? Like, you know, like how you have like zero to a hundred? Is your brain just like always at a hundred? It's just going like it's always at a hundred. <laughs> and I might be here, but my brain is also thinking about something else at the same time. Like, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, tomorrow's a dateline for these. We have this community event. Like, you name it. Okay. I, I mean, I particularly like history things. Granted, I'm very insanely on art history. And so we did an episode. I think we were just talking about art, video game art in general. Like video, because we were talking about video games in the episode. It it very quickly turned into a philosophical (laughs) debate about art history, and if video games were an art form, and that's the kind of like nonfiction that I live for. Slash, I do like, and this is just because I'm perpetually a child in my brain, and and I like to kick over my pop bottles at the same time, (laughs) but like I like to look at like cookbooks or craft books, like. Granted, I might not actually ever, like, make them, but I like to look at them because I like to look at the pictures. I like to look at what goes into them. Um, One of my favorite books, and I don't remember the title of it off the top of my head, so... Anyways, um, I took culinary chemistry in college, and we had this giant book, and it was, like, a thick, thick... I can't describe this book to you, but it was a thick book. I might be able to find it if I walked on my looked around on my Amazon like order lists or whatever that I ordered, but it was so long ago, like I'm not gonna remember it. But it was a giant thick book, and in this book was like the chemical compositions of like random food and like recipes and like stuff like that in the middle of it. And I was just like, this is interesting. Why have I never thought of this before? Is there one that you might remember? up until today because you were like wow i there was one section where we talked about coffee beans and yeah like coffee beans and like um like getting the flavor out of coffee beans like the longer you leave it to stoop i think it was like the more bitter it is and there's like a whole bunch of like time like experiments that they did so you could see that um we also in that class watched a lot of good eats um the anton brown I think it's Anton Brown. I don't remember what it is, but I think it's Good Eats. And it was a show, and he did a lot of food science. And we would take his recipes, and we would go make them. And then we would turn around, and every single group had to take a random piece. Either they substituted for something else, or they took an ingredient out of the recipe so we could all make it, and then eat it, and then see the difference in between each thing. So, like, we did cookies... And so one group had just a little bit too much sugar. One one group did like this specific task with their when they made the cookies. One group used this kind of flour instead of another kind of flour. And so you could see like the really thin cookies that just kind of like break in half really easily or those really gooey ones when you pull them apart just kind of like a when you're pulling it <laughs> apart and stuff like that however I'm also a big like art history person I have like so many random art history books in my kindle like library it's kind of ridiculous I have textbooks like I read textbooks for fun <laughs> <laughs> and it's insane. Like, uh, 
do you have any particular um, like art movements that you like reading about? Or so uh, personally, I so I really like Renaissance, but I also like um, something else that I also really liked was it um, the it's conceptual art. This is. Um, Think like Yoko Ono. Mm-hmm. Like, this is her art style movement. It's conceptualism. To be honest, I also hated this movement at first because it's one of those movements where it's like you don't get it unless, like. A lot of people dismiss it offhand. It, yeah, it gets dismissed really easily because it's one of those where, like, if you're not paying attention to the context of what's happening in history, you're not going to understand the concept of what's going on in the art movement which i think is one of the more interesting parts about art history as a whole like with renaissance art like a lot of things can be determined by random things that happened in history and that's how we determine like the early renaissance between the high renaissance and then the late renaissance like there's three different sections because the period is so long and then you have historical things that happen that differentiate each section. And so that's what I really like. And that's what I kind of look for in our history books is if they are talking about movements or art styles or people, I want them to also connect it to history at the same time so we can you can see like like maybe like either in like timeline format or something else that they connect to like you see like oh so the reason that like in uh, Europe in like World War Two, the reason that like Russia like this is like end of World War Two. So the reason why we go so modern with our art movements is because Russia, who we started doing Cold War with, started doing more kitschy style art instead which is the more like propaganda like world war poster style art instead and so you see a giant break off in the art styles and that's why we get our super ultra modern conceptualist art versus that and so it's really interesting um i mean do you do you think all nonfiction books are meant to teach us something not necessarily um I'm just throwing out questions. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I don't think so. I mean, I guess I should have mentioned true crime because I enjoy true crime as well. And do you necessarily learn Learn something something? outside of the events of this particular case? No, but it's a good story. I mean, yeah. You you can get insight into how people think and stuff like that. I love reading about true crimes Mm -hmm. just because, like, as you guys already know, like, I went to criminology school with Alice and we had to analyze so many like crimes that happen and it's just something that I enjoy reading. I feel like you might learn something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Mexican serial killers book <laughs> that I just read and finished reading just um, a couple weeks ago, it describes like how some of these serial killers, it's not that they are smart and that's how they get away with the crimes. It's just like, it's going to be a matter of time. Dude, they are going to leave like lucky. something behind. <laughs> they are very lucky. And then they made the one mistake. And that's how the police finally finds who they are and where they are located. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a, 
I think media in general has done a great disservice in portraying serial killers as like masterminds of evil. A lot of times they're very dull individuals, <laughs> you know, to, to put it frankly. Um, yeah, and you're right. It's, eventually they screw eventually, up. Eventually, yes. Get it's, you know. I have this section on here that just says the value of facts. The value of facts. The, what are facts? Like, how do you decide if, like, a book is, like, good for facts or not? Like, like, like how, how do you, like, look at this, like, piece of literature or, and I say literature in, in the broader sense of, like, the nonfiction books. Like, how do you look at it and go, like, oh, this is factual. I guess you have to take into account the author's various biases and yeah. the context in which you know that particular book was written. Something that I like to look for, especially when I'm looking for, like, let's say if it's like, and I'll go back to art history, but like, like when I'm looking for the verification of like facts in a book, especially if it's nonfiction, the first thing I do before I even open the book whatsoever, I mean, open the book to read it, I mean, is I crack open the back. And I look to see if, one, there's an index, and then, two, if there's a bibliography in the back. A lot of times, if there's a bibliography in the back, you can go look up all of those different, like, articles or books or whatever that they were using. And I think it's more of, like, a... And this is just my personal opinion. I think it's more of a personal... Like, you have to decide for yourself if you think this is factual or not. Like, me as a person, I can't decide if, like, Liz thinks that um, this random science book about why penguins are actually dinosaurs <laughs> is factual. You know, I personally, I think they're under something. <laughs> I mean, I am because they're birds. But still, like... Like, it's not up to me as, like, the person. Like, yes, I'm ordering things and I'm hoping that they're really factual. But, like, I think it's up to you as the reader to go, like, oh, look at all these things in the back. Like, I should look at those if I'm really interested in the subject to learn and if it's factual or not. However, I do think that having that bibliography in the back is what really helps me go, okay, so this might be more factual than... <laughs> speculation and it's not like there might be more information than misinformation if I can see a bibliography and I can go track down these things but that's the academic in me talking that might be different from everyone else no I mean it sounds like a good it sounds like a good point and it's just when I was in the medical field I work with this physician and when he asked me like back in the day like to bring some information for someone mm -hmm. regarding like what they had just been diagnosed with he will always like ask me like millions of questions like who's gonna be your source because he wanted a reliable source and I was like well this hospital and that clinic and so on not just like something that I just googled to bring forever for a patient, but like for instance, James Clear has a bibliography mm -hmm. at the end of each paragraph or at the end of the page. And the difference with the Nochworth, who you might know from Wakanda Forever, mm -hmm. for Brown Pride, he does not have bibliography, but he's describing experiences that he had lived 
that I relate to. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. I can understand why you are describing this. Mm-hmm. I feel you. So that's why I give him credit from what he wrote about or what he's describing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that... So would nonfiction be something that you would... Like, let's say there's no more fiction books. Would you actually sit down and read nonfiction books? If you were... Most of the books I read are nonfiction. Because mm-hmm. they are like self-help books. Yes. I mean, I mean, yes. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, like, like Liz mostly reads nonfiction books. You read mostly like you read like a weird like variety. I I, I have I go from obsession to obsession, and that's just how it. You you have so many hyperfixations. It's yeah, kind of ridiculous no. at this point. <laughs> like Grant comes in one day and he's like, I'm reading this, and it's like a random speculative fiction novel. And then the next day we walk in and he's reading the philosophy of uh. Young, and I'm like whiplashed <laughs> because, like, he was reading, like, I don't know, like, he could be reading, like, flowers. Let me just describe Grant. We work at a library, we read <laughs> books, but we cannot read Grant's reading choices because he always surprises, like, everyone with, Oh, what are you reading today? <laughs> like, <laughs> pretty much. Like, how do you think? Do you think, how would so if an author was writing a nonfiction book specifically for you. Mm-hmm. How would they get your attention? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's a good question. I'm asking least. the fun questions yeah. today. Hey. I came up with all of these on the spot. What's up, my friends? <laughs> Tune in. Aaron asks the hard-hitting questions. Um, I don't know. Um, I have some ideas. Yeah, sure. I think that the person will be neat the person will need to write something of my interest Mm -hmm. if it's something that I like I'm gonna be more drawn to read the book Mm -hmm. it has to be something of interest of like some help like something with mental health um, something on how to improve the communities so what Liz is saying is she hides anywhere in the 150s in the psychology section, <laughs> or she hides in the 300s, which is social science. <laughs> Pretty much, because I'm always fighting for social justice. So if you don't see me like holding like the DSM-5 manual, like I might have a serial killer's book or something <laughs> like Cesar Chavez, like you never know. Like, <laughs> All right. Grant, if you've thought of something. No, I mean, I, I agree. It should interest me. Um, it, as far as the actual writing goes, mm-hmm. it needs to be compelling. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want it to just be a recit- recitation of facts, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like, like um, Nietzsche's a great writer. That I'm kind of working my way through a anthology of his stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has he's extremely good at getting his ideas across, but also making it, you know... Mm-hmm. And either whether they're aphorisms or essays or whatever, it's very, very compelling and striking. Um, and I think you can do that with really any topic. So I think the writing itself would need to stand out. I think for me, I, I want a story. Like, yes, I want the bibliography in the back of the book. If it's something that's informative or if it's like art history, I want the bibliography in the back of the book. If you don't have a bibliography in the back of your book, get one. Thanks. Anyway, <laughs> so who would you choose? Like, if 
if they were to tell you like you could have anyone in the world that it's alive or if you could have someone from the past that is no longer alive if they could write a book for you if they could write a book for me what's his name oh my gosh do you have any ideas friend of who you will choose to write a book write a book for me um uh, I mean, I'm kind of dressed up as one right now, Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> Halloween. Um, he, he, oh, he, I, I should have brought him up. He's a very, very good example of um, turning actual events into a great story. You know, you know whether or not it's embellished, you know, to a great degree or not. Don't you know? I don't let that get in the way. You know, in in, in that even in that, there's truth. So uh, I'd say I, maybe him. I don't know what topic he would cover, but just anything. Uh, Clement Greenberg, which everyone's like, huh? Clement Greenberg, who was an essayist slash art critic, mm-hmm. and he is one of the more influential art critics slash person who wrote about art history in, like, modern art, mid-20th century. He died in, like, 94, but, like... Mm-hmm from, like, the 1920s all the way up to, like, then. Like, he was one of, like, the art critics. Like, he wrote some of, like, the best things um, about art history and theory of art and things like that. So, like, I think I would have... If I could bring him back and have him write me something, I would want him to write me something because, like, I think, like, especially now, like, with the evolution of art from... Obviously, like, 1994, when he died, today, art has changed, or not particularly, but, like, it's changed enough Mm -hmm. that, like, I feel like he might have some more things to say, especially if he got to view, like, the expansion and the evolution. Like, I feel like that would be really interesting. Liz, do you have one? Yes, it's hard to choose just one. <laughs> I had to think of him for like a minute. But I would go with Jorge Ramos. Um, Jorge Ramos is a Mexican-American journalist and writer. And he's been regarded as the best-known Spanish-language news anchor in the U.S. And he has like a TV show, like he writes for newspapers. He has written so many books. Um, he's an activist and... His career is just amazing. So I always look up at him like, wow, like he's done so much. Especially for the ones who do not have a voice or nobody hears what they are saying or they try to pretend that they do not exist. So he's been the voice of many minority groups in the US. So we were talking about like what makes us want to read a nonfiction book. What's your icks? What would make you put a nonfiction book down? Put a nonfiction book down? Mm-hmm. Besides me being bored with it, because that is something that I talk about constantly. I'm like, I get bored. Put it down. But, like, what are your icks when it comes to a nonfiction book? Icks being, like, stuff like your pet peeves, like things that would make you probably want to put it down for a bit and not actually want to read it anymore. I um, guess I have no patience for... Uh, electioneer cash grab political biographies. There's, I mean, I think we all. Can. No, no, you can you can quote me. There's no <laughs> quote bigger. Brett. There's no bigger waste of paper than than those. Um, I just. Do you think they all sound the same? 
from what I've read. Have and you I, read I, a lot of them? No, but I think I've read all I need to. Because it's, it's obviously written with, with the intention of getting votes. And as someone who doesn't trust any politician, I just... It's like, wow, you could just put it up on your website. Congratulations. Yeah, I, I understand it that way. Yeah, no, I just don't under... I just don't... It's not for me. This. For me, I will go with Grant's idea of, like, something about, like, involving someone from a political campaign, but also, like, a famous artist or so. Like, I'm sorry for (laughs) all the ones that are listening and will be like, what? But I don't have no desire of reading about Britney Spears. I mean, I also think I'm, like, not a big biography person, and that's just because, like... So if it's a biography of the person after they passed away, like, that is completely different. Like, I will read one of those, maybe a couple of those, especially just to get a good story slash overview of the life. I feel like that's similar to, like, a true crime kind of thing. But if the person's alive at the moment, I kind of see it similarly to the political... Um, kind of look at it with suspicion a little Like, bit. political cash grab book over there where they, like... And y'all know which ones I'm talking about. It's the ones in, like, either the 360s, 2s, or... No, not 360s, 326. I don't know which number it is. There's a certain number. I know exactly which one it is, but I can't tell you what it is right now. Those, and in the 973s... No, 977.43... No, something. 973s. I don't know. The back wall. The back wall. It's not the back wall anymore. We've weeded a lot of them. Um... But, like, those, like, I just see them akin to each other because, like, if I have, like, five, like, memoirs from, like, the same, like, like, artist or whatever, like, I'm just sitting here going, you really just had a lot of time and you just really wanted to, you know, do something. Like, okay, but, like, I get bored with those and so fun fact when you're weeding them the idea they don't last on the shelf very long they're usually about like two to five years because it's usually just kind of a quick like for biographies for biographies yeah wow we have the one by Rick, like from for ricky martin that it's been like on the spanish section yes. for like years no so yes. for so for those who don't know we're currently in a big weed of our nonfiction section and the reason being is because we have a lot And we're trying to make space for new books that will be more fun to read for people in the future that are more culturally relevant and or don't have misinformation in them. We only have so much space, people. (laughs) Yeah. When we read, we we only have a finite space. And so sometimes your favorite books might not be on the shelf anymore, but that's because they might not be checked out. Or they might not be in the greatest condition. However, I had listened when um, the book I'm Glad My Mom Died by Janet McCurdy. I mm-hmm. listened to the audiobook. It was very interesting. And what I like about it is that she did the own her own voice for the book. Yes. And another biography that I, this one I actually read, because I was very interested about this activist, um, was the one by Ernesto Guevara, known by... And Che Guevara from Argentina, because yeah. I wanted to know, like, why did people follow him? Uh-huh. What was so interesting about this guy that he moved groups of people to do what he wanted? So I just figured pounds. out something else yes. I like to read about. I like to read about cults. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I forgot about that one. I like to read about... Well, it's more of like a social science thing, because I think they're either in the two... Dependent on what kind of cult it is, by the way, everyone... 
it dependent on what type of cult it is, you're either in the 200s because sometimes it's a religious cult. And then sometimes you're in the 300s because it's not a religious cult. More often than not, it's in the 200s. Trust me on this. It's hiding somewhere in that area. And I like reading about those because I like reading about, like, some of that social, like, human condition. One of the classes I took in college was anthropology. (laughs) Loved that class. It was very interesting into, like, a human brain kind of, like, this is why we act the way we do or this is why we are, think the way we think. Like, those kind of things. And so reading about cults or looking at those kind of things shows me, like, all the different little... Like, this is why they thought the way they did. This is why they did what they did. Like, this is how they got caught. Or are they still around? And if so, where are they? And what are they doing? Like, those kind of things are interesting. However, I usually default to video essays when I look at cult things. Because especially if it's more current. There are some good. There are some really good video essays on those (laughs) kind of things. So, you know. Do you have a favorite cult? A pet, you know, a pet cult, we'll call it? (laughs) No. Okay. Um, I there was this one, and it was really interesting. Where they basically had this lady, and she was like the mom. She wasn't actually the mom, but like she was basically like seen as like God reborn, like as a woman. Mm-hmm. And they ended up, she died, and they ended up like basically like embalming her and mummifying her. That happened her. like last year, didn't it? It was a few, like years a, few, a few years ago. And they put gems in her eyes. Mm-hmm. And they literally drove around the country with her, like, body, mm-hmm. like, to go to their new place. And then they got caught by the cops. And they opened up the truck, and she's just in there. And I was like, oh, my God. They're still around. It was just, like, really one of those things that I was not expecting, mm-hmm. like, whatso- whatsoever. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to pick a few of these because I know that Liz has never done these before and I feel like she should do a couple. <laughs> um, that one Liz won't care about. Liz won't even know who that is. <laughs> so, for Liz who hasn't done a smack yet, um, I'm just going to do some would you rathers because I feel like those would fit with Liz more than if I did the uh, fight to the death episode. Um, because I feel like that's gonna fit her more. Though this would be a very funny and entertaining fight right now. <laughs> I'm curious, but I'll have to wait. You'll well, have it's to like, wait. now what? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so. First things first. So we do this at the end of the episode. I mean, because I consider kind of like, are we good? Are we good? Are we good? I guess so. We have 15 minutes, so that's why I'm like, let's do some funny ones. In the meanwhile, right? In the meanwhile, while you're like looking for the papers, um, yeah. announcement to our former co-worker Andy, <laughs> I cannot wait for the next book of Agustina Vasturica, which will replace the order, and you will have to wait for the translation because, of course, it's going to be like in Spanish since it's from Argentina, but it involves like the cult, of, like where the women who survive go to a monastery and then they said oh okay we we found a place where somebody's gonna help not knowing it's not gonna be like that so all right i have a few and i can always pull out more if we want 
later. So basically, I pull them out of this thing, and it's just kind of like a whole entire hodgepodge. So, you know, you just, just bear with me as I... Ooh, that's a fun one. All right, anyways. I knocked over my pop bottle again. <laughs> this is the third time this episode. All right, so the first things first. All right, so question out loud for both of you, which, I mean, I can... Uh, <laughs> so, would you rather only be allowed to mark your place by dog-earing the page or have to make a small mark on the corner of every page you've read? Don't do this. I hate both. Why? <laughs> I know. I guess I would do the dog-ear only because I could feasibly like flatten it out again where I, I, I can't really get because I know if I ask Tony this question Tony would lose their mind <laughs> we love you Tony <laughs> no I I just want to know why the pain why do you have to ask so painful questions to people in the library world like no um, so you know that like I only pick books for the book club because that makes people suffer right so, you know, if I'm picking things out of the jar, you know I'm going to make you suffer. Well, I didn't suffer when I was reading your book choice. Yeah, I know you didn't. Damn, but I the last didn't. book choice, which I made Grant read, too, because I suggested it to him, I also made him suffer. Which one was that? Sparrow. Oh, no, yeah. No. I actually I, enjoyed I Mexican Gothic. I talked like there was room for, like, another All right. book. But maybe, like, I would just fold the corners of the book. Yeah. Or the corners. I'll say this: I'm a pacifist, but if if, if any if any of you guys out there mark <laughs> write, write down stuff in our books, I might have to fight you. <laughs> you leave me no choice. You, I left you no choice. Oh goodness! <laughs> All right. So, would you rather never read a book again, or this is for Grant specifically? I'm making him suffer, or never watch a movie again. <laughs> Hmm. I feel like if I were to erase all books, it would be more of a harm to society as a whole. <laughs> However, I'd probably have to keep movies. You, you Just because that's my specialty. So you're going to say that you're never going to read a book again? I guess. I don't know. Ooh. I'll turn on the subtitles. Well, <laughs> I, I think that your professors from Siena like, would be like very proud of you. Like, <laughs> yes. I know. They, they'd probably be surprised because I didn't go to Siena. <laughs> <laughs> you went to film school? <laughs> Wasn't it like Siena? No, I was thinking like film at school. Like, I me. know you went to Siena, but like, yep. I was like, what did you do? You went to film, film school? school somewhere. Troy, Michigan. Congrats. That's why you, you choose films. <laughs> so, would you rather, and I know the answer to this one already because I know Fred, like, by the back of my hand. So, would you rather have the time to read 100 books every year or make 20 new friends? I know Liz. the answer. Liz. I know the answer. Liz, what's your answer? Because this is for everyone. You have to answer your own. Read 100 books on May 20. I'd probably go with the books only because I'm, I like having a, a small amount. I could just see you just like having a stack and then meanwhile, Jen, Jen, no, <laughs> giant stack. I'll go with the books as well because I I only have quite a few friends. I know a lot of people from the community, but mm -hmm. I have very, very a small circle of friends. Mm -hmm. Very small, but very loyal for many years. Mm -hmm. All right. Long chapters or short chapters? Which one do you prefer? Why? 
I like long cha- chapters. Why? Probably. I just like ideas being fully fleshed out. So, what would you say is your perfect size chapter book? Oh, I mean that depends. That's that depends on. Like, how long of a chapter of are you talking here? I don't know. Like, I don't are we talking about like thirty-four chapters and they're all like very long, so it looks like a Brandon Sanderson giant like chonky book, or are you thinking like thirty like long chapter? It looks like a big thick James Patterson. I'm thinking moderately sized book itself, but longer chapters. So like, maybe like. 19 chapters. Yeah, I'm thinking of like... In a standard size. Just for me, I'm thinking like Faulkner or something. Like oh. his, his books aren't particularly long, but the chapters themselves are long. So. I prefer long chapters too, because we just had like the, My Sister the Zero Killer. Those chapters like, are the shortest thing I've ever read in my life. It was oh like my God. a diary of like one page, and then it was like... Or um, half a page the at market. one point, and I'm like, hello? <laughs> she will label it like, or name it like the market. <laughs> And you read like a page about the market. And I'm like you pretty sure the like page, and then it was like a page and a half like, um, the hospital and. I'm pretty sure like half small. of the chapters had like the same title at one point, and I was like, "Didn't I just read this?" And so like I had to like go back, and I was like, "No, I didn't." I feel like the intentions was like to write it in a way that it looked like a diary of someone, mm-hmm. like and how she was writing daily. Like an epistolary book? Epistolary. Epistolary? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah! Sorry, I just don't know how to say the words out loud. Uh, I, I, I will say, I, I read a book last year, I think, called Young God. I can't remember the mm-hmm. author. Um, but if it's a book where, where like, the, the text itself is very sparse and, you know, poppy, um, I, I feel like, like, like some of the chapters in that book were literally a paragraph. And it, Sorry, it, 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 I just thought this one was funny and I have to have it. Should I be afraid? Yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so uh, you're about to look at two characters and they fight to the death. Let's go. Okay. What character do you have, Grant? I have Pete the cat. <laughs> what, what character do you have, Liz? Bugs Bunny. <laughs> okay. I mean, I already know I lose because Bugs Bunny's so crafty, you know. Oh, I was going to say Bugs Bunny's older and wiser. That's true. I mean, Pete the Cat. I've never read a Pete the Cat book, but I know kids like him. So <laughs> me either, but I got to see Pete the Cat at the library. Yeah, he did visit here. Okay. He did visit the library, yeah. and the kids loved the cat. Like they the, went to the cat and hugged the cat, and and I was advising the cat like the kids are hugging you. You need to go down. Because so that poor that poor Pete the Cat couldn't see. I know cataracts, right? Yes, old age. Yeah, yes. yeah, and I, I, I will say that the, <laughs> the kids, the kids love the cat. Could Pete the cat theoretically? I don't know if this is allowed. Create an army of small children. Through sheer force, overpower Bugs Bunny and, and his ingenuity. No, because then um, senior citizens of the community could come with like their wheelchairs, because mm-hmm. they grew up walkers with Bugs and canes, okay. and like right. hit the kids and. <laughs> Protect Bugs Bunny. All right, this is turning to a full-scale skirmish. The <laughs> little children versus the old people. Yeah. When you're using medical equipment to your benefit, yes. Who would win, five old women or one young child? Five, no, no, that's five older women because they have the experience and okay. the kids don't. Okay. I guess it's up to you. <laughs> between Pete the cat and Bugs Bunny and their respective armies just think about it like a kid might get loose start like of the Mexican books 
as a reference, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> in Spanish books. I mean, I want to run all the way around and get loose. And what is the adult gonna be like? I'm just gonna wait over here because sooner or later I they mean, will come this way. Like they know. I want to say that Bugs Bunny wins because wait. I want to say that Bugs Bunny wins, and in the perfect world, Bugs Bunny wins because they have, you know, the old people in wheelchairs following them. So, you know, like, you know how scary parents can be, so, you know, you know, you have the scary parents, right? However, like, I feel, like, dependent on the type of children that Pete the cat will employ slash, like, recruit into their small army, Hmm. um, the dark horse then becomes, like... Who knows what type of children Pete the Cat has recruited? And you don't know if the child is, like, insane or not and is going to just, like, run circles around the parent person. Throwing, like, cupcakes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Pete the Cat doesn't discriminate. He's basically the Pied Piper of picture books. Bugs Bunny is international. Like, this was, like, a cartoon that was translated into Spanish. So we have, like, the force of other countries, like, fighting for Bugs Bunny. (laughs) So, I mean, that could be a thing. I could oh, see Bugs Bunny uh, being a mad dictator or something. Hilariously enough, though, I did just see Duolingo Bird in the in the jar at some point. That would have been fun. This, yeah. Listen, if Duolingo Bird ever comes out, it's an automatic win for Duolingo Bird. Because he, he won't stop. Have you seen it. Duolingo Bird? Yes. I, I, would, I would give you homework and just say watch the TikToks. I used to. Duolingo has Duolingo. a TikTok. No, you better learn your Czechoslovakian or you better check your locks again. <laughs> I did Duolingo when I wanted to learn Portuguese. Better learn Spanish or you're gonna vanish. <laughs> he, he, he has no. He so has I no would not vanish because I already know Spanish. Oh, that's great! Thank you, buddy.